0: Great events in history occur, do witnesses realize the importance? Looking back on my time now, I realize I was one of the lucky ones, privileged to tell the stories of those times. I'm Orville Mulligan, sports writer.
1: See why your paper would devote nearly an entire page to Sammy Mandel.
0: You didn't like the interview?
1: No oh, no, it's a good interview. Maybe it's great. It's definitely not what I'm used to. Do a lot of y'all newspapers have women sports writers?
0: Not really. Marla, I mean Annie August, is a bit of a special case.
1: I bet she is. Say what Settle down, don't get your danded up. Clearly, the woman can write. But returning to the point of discussion. My editor would never okay 17 column inches for a lightweight who's not even sifting the title shot right now, even if he does talk quite the talk.
0: It's not always easy filling pages six days a week. What about the globe? You guys thinking about going daily?
1: How? Here y'all can afford to have what seven, eight dailies. but the globe? We're up against the courier and their weekly. We've got no chance unless we want to go down to about four pages probably. Hey, Orville. Uh I don't think we are. That is to say, I am particularly welcome here.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Have you not noticed the rather wide berth we're getting here? The way they're not looking over here. I've never seen so many people looking out the corner of their eyes at one time before.
0: Ah, nothing hinky about it. These guys are all news writers. They think they're the cat's pajamas.
1: Damn, you speak funny.
0: They think they're better than us lowly sports writing types. If you say so. Don't fret. Nothing's going to happen.
1: Yeah, well, doesn't exactly make for the most hospitable of atmospheres.
0: Never mind it. Anyway, what about our deal? You got something for me? Well, yes, but... Say, a deal's a deal.
1: I know, I know. I just don't think I endeared myself too much to my editor by turning in a story on Hannes Wagner.
0: Why not? Wagner is perhaps the finest shortstop ever to play in the major leagues.
1: Yes, the major league. But we've got our own top league now. Yeah, without a team in Pittsburgh. We've got the Grays.
0: But they're not a league club.
1: It doesn't make them less legitimate a team.
0: Discussion for another time. Do you have an interview for me?
1: Yeah, I've got your interview. I'm not sure you know what you're in for exactly. What would be the point of doing the interview if I knew already? All right. You'll be
0: speaking with... Oscar Heavy Johnson, starting left fielder for the two-time Negro National League champion Kansas City Monarchs led the NNL in batting average in 1922 and 23, both years hitting 406. In the former season, heavy triple crowned in the NNL, leading the league with 20 home runs, 120 runs batted in, 91 runs scored, 152 hits and 32 doubles in 98 games. All of which led some in print media to call him the Black Babe Ruth and precipitated my presence here and now on a corner in Homestead. I think this is the right corner. Hey, hello? Good evening, sir.
1: Sir? Sir? <laughs> no white man ever called me sir before. I must be drunk.
0: Well, <laughs> nothing wrong with tying one on once in a while. Just make sure the fuzz don't scoop you up.
1: The fuzz?
0: You know, the fuzz. The boys in blue. Le flic. The police. The police? Where? There's no police. I was just saying to be careful.
2: Are you police?
0: No, sir. I am not.
2: <laughs> That's good.
1: You sure you're supposed to be in this area, boy? Hey, hey, Randy, get the hell away from him. R- r- right? Yeah. He's with you? Yes, he's with me. Now you hustle right up and off this block. You trying to end up in the drunk tank? You trying to get Delhi busted? I, I, uh, excuse me, Mr. White Man. Yeah. I you good for squat drunk? That him talk a little, bit, a little bit coming around, eh? Is he alright? Nah, but he's harmless. He just doesn't know when to say uncle once the booze start flowing. Come on now, let's move. You're looking suspicious as hell out here. Now this place may be a bit different than what y'all are used to. How so? It's a different world. Jazzy.
0: Well, this part's the same. Was it something I said?
1: Yes, don't get cute. Don't try to be funny. Don't even breathe. Just shut up
3: oh, no. and talk. No, 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 no. What in God's name do you think you're bringing in here, Raymond D. Easter?
1: Good evening, Deli. But uh, my middle initial is S for S. Not at this
3: moment, it ain't. Right now, it's D for Dumbass. And what's with you? Shell shocked? Shut the damn door already. You want half the cops at Homestead here and I'm conversating? Now, Raymond D. Easter. Mind you, oh, I never uh, in a million uh, years thought I'd have to pinch this ear again.
1: Uh, please, Deli. I thought you please. might have wised up a bit
3: since you were what? Ten years old and running around in short pants?
1: Oh, probably younger, Mr. Lila. I was a bad boy.
3: Yes, you were. <laughs> and you still are.
1: That's gonna smart for a couple of weeks.
3: If I did it correctly... And I always do. Now you'd best start to telling me what this is all about and why you brought him in here before I toss your bony butt head first along his right back out. He's okay, Deli? Says you. How do I know he ain't some kind of cop or fit for the cops?
1: He's not police. He's in the newspapers. A sports writer like me.
3: Sports writer, huh? Well, he ain't no sportsman, that's for sure. Besides, that's still no reason to be bringing him here. I can't be having him spilling the beans on the spot. White people might enjoy taking down a color folk gin mill.
1: He's not saying anything. Isn't that right Orville? See? I'm sorry, deli I just figured this would be a good spot for him to meet Oscar. Oscar? Oscar who? Oscar Johnson. Heavy. Oh, the big boy is in town.
3: I didn't hear nothing about that.
1: Yeah, I think he wants to meet with Mr. Posey.
3: Is he still trying to get Heavy to play in Pittsburgh?
1: Of course, there's no quitting, Cumberland Posey.
3: All right, Ray. If you're willing to vouch for this associate of yours, he can stay. But I want you three to be sitting in the back as not to be drawing attention. And if I smell the least a bit of trouble, all three of you will be getting pronto.
0: Not long after Ray and I took our seats, Heavy Johnson arrived. And my first thought on seeing that massive figure eclipsing the doorway, was that never in the history of nomenclature has a nickname been so appropriately bestowed. The man was 250 pounds if he was an ounce. His hands were the size of shovel heads, with fingers long as a pianist's. But no pianist can lift 20 pounds with his pinky like Heavy looked like he could. He was beer barrel chested like Ruth, but with tree trunk legs to boot. The floor creaked and nearly shook under his weight as he made his way to us in the back. Heavy Johnson was as popular as Babe Ruth too, at least in this bar. And he slowly swapped a jovial word or two with his many admirers, which included everyone here.
1: How does he compare to your guys so far? Jeez. why doesn't he play football? Ah, heavy plays way too pretty a game for football. I well, thank you, Deli
3: Just consider yourself lucky. I'm forgiven, sort.
1: Is this the usual?
3: A fresh new batch, just in from Canada.
1: Canada again? You got the whole Reverse Underground Railroad going on
3: here. Tracks go both ways and needs call for improvising.
1: Uh,
0: um,
3: is there a problem?
0: Well, there may be a mistake. I, uh, this is just water.
3: Oh, that ain't no mistake. I just can't be serving you booze is all. If some cops decide tonight's the night, they need to rush this place for some bribe money and they see you here. They shut me down and locked me up, and I certainly ain't counting on you to lie to the cops on account of some Negro woman.
2: Good evening, Deli. You looking fine as ever.
3: And you're looking bigger than ever. (laughs) Now here's a silly question. You want some supper?
2: I can never say no to anything out of your kitchen, sweet Deli.
3: You're damn straight you can't. I'll get the boys to put something together. And what about you, typewriter jockey? Yeah, you'd better eat. Looks like you haven't in months, like always. You drinking heavy, honey?
2: Does a crack love, money.
3: <laughs> All right, you boys sit tight, and I shall return.
2: Raven, how are you, brother?
1: Damn, heavy. You just about to crush my spine. You either got the hold back or stop hugging other individuals altogether.
2: Hey, Delhi wasn't complaining any. Is this the, the guy you were telling me about?
1: Yes. This is... Hi, Heavy.
0: I'm Orville Mulligan, Pittsburgh Guardian newspaper. I just wanted to say thank you for meeting with me. I would
2: appreciate it if you addressed me as Mr. Johnson.
0: Oh, sorry. It's just that sports writers can take the informality for granted with major leaguers. Hmm.
2: As I'm sure you're aware, I am not a major leaguer, and by the very well-known but unwritten number one rule of the major leagues, I shall never be a major leaguer,
0: Right, right. I apologize. I thought... Orville,
1: why don't you just get on with the interview?
0: Okay. Mr. Johnson, where did you grow up?
2: Kansas. Atchison, Kansas. You ever hear of it?
0: Yes. Uh, isn't that on the Union Pacific line?
2: That's about the size of it, newsman. The place was named for some senator who established the town expressly for the purpose of white people owning slaves. And for a lot of those... People, the Civil War ain't so far away. About the only thing that happened there were the trains going through, most not stopping. Anybody with the least imagination reckon the best way out was to get aboard and head for St. Louis or Chicago or Kansas City. But many had the guts, nearly no one had the meet.
0: Did you see baseball as a way out then?
2: I never thought of it like that. For me, the army was my real ticket. You ever do your turn?
0: No, sir. I was in college during the war. Penn. Of you were. Uh, So, what can you tell me about your entrance into the Negro National League?
1: Uh, what? Excuse me, Heavy. Orville, you almost lost right over ten years of the man's life. I don't suppose you ever heard of the 25th Infantry Records?
2: What, what? Are you doing the white boy's job now?
0: What of your time in the
1: military, Mr. Johnson?
2: Well... As I said, the Army was an easy way out of Atchison, Kansas. It was 1913 when I turned 18, way before we got into the Great War. Plus, I figured, things would have to get pretty desperate to let black battalions see combat action in Europe. So maybe due to sheer luck, or maybe because I was scouted for the Athletic Club, I got stationed overseas with the 25th in Hawaii. Can't say for sure, it wasn't quite as big
1: back then. Yeah, sure, Heavy. Back then, you only weighed half a ton, right? (laughs)
2: yeah something like that so by the time i got onto the time cap had left the army and didn't return for another four five years
1: excuse me cap cap rogan now known as bullet rogan
2: best picture i ever saw we called him cap because in the army the captain was somebody a big somebody a bigger somebody than just about all of us had ever known and on that field cap rogan was that somebody plus we knew none of us would ever make capture for obvious reasons. But our real leader is Sergeant Dalbert Green, player, manager, and leader of the Yellowstone Bicycle Expedition. You ever hear that?
0: Can't say that I have.
1: The original Bicycle Corps of the 25th Infantry Regiment went on a mission to Yellowstone National Park in 1896. The Corps consisted of Sergeant Dalbert P. Green, Corporal John G. Williams, Private John Finley, Private Frank L. Johnson, Private William Proctor, Private William Haynes, Private L. Wood Foreman, and Private William W. Brown. They were accompanied by Commanding Officer Lieutenant James Moss and Medic Harvey Norwood. At that time, the 25th Infantry was stationed in Missoula, Montana. These 10 first made the trek from Fort Missoula to Yellowstone, 450 plus miles on mostly unpaved roads and trails connecting two or three American settlements amid Indian country where most had never seen the Buffalo Soldiers firsthand.
0: Right, they were called Buffalo Soldiers because the Indians thought, sorry,
1: sorry, go on. Each man rode a 35-pound bicycle and each carried a 100-pound pack of supplies, spare parts, and weapons. Sergeant Green and Private Foreman were said to be carrying closer to 150. They reconnoitered at Fort Yellowstorm before delving into the wilderness there. Over eight days, the bicycle corps knocked out a few thousand square miles of the park, witnessed geysers, and uncovered new pathways. All in all, each man ended up putting in 800 miles worth of biking. The following year, Sergeant Green and nearly all of the others covered nearly five times that mileage in going from Missoula to St. Louis and back. A trip from the frontier to the east that turned out far less civilized than biking through Indian territory.
2: So even though we didn't have Cap around anymore, we had Sergeant Green. He must have been pushing 50 years old by the time I got there. Probably why he retired from the service at 15. I tell you what, though sarge could still play ball no one can handle pitches like him either he's the one who taught cap how to pitch the way he does
1: well the rogan is known for his no wind-up delivery
2: at first it was mostly riding the pond i don't really blame skip or anybody else i might have been quite the jug of bourbon i was 18 19 some hayseed who had never left his hometown trying to crack the starting lineup with his grown-up soldiers but i got there soon enough by 15 had me bad
1: forth dispatch from Hawaii we have heard tell of the final game in the Island Series play the national baseball champion Olympic Club of San Francisco with our brave lads of the 25th infantry emerging from the final tilt behind one hit ball pitch by the marvelous Cap Rogan and the knife ending shot by Oscar Heavy Johnson. The two to one win marked the second victory for the 25th over the Olympic who managed a total of eight victories on two losses against the tournament's five other teams. The two to one win marked the second victory for the 25th over the olympic who managed a total of eight victories and two losses against the tournament's five other teams the st louis club the honolulus the punahus the chinese and our first infantry side this final game between the 25th and the olympic will be forever remembered as a pitching duel between cap and the olympics hurler speed martin but the arms race was interrupted twice by mighty clops. on his part Rogan struck out 10 and, saved for two batters getting on by errors, kept the base pass mostly clear by Olympic base runners. The sole exception was John Kennedy's blast in the fourth to give the Olympics a 1-0 lead. Kennedy's would be so hip for the Olympic club. In the bottom of the fifth, Nat Crafton equalized with a long shot to the left and had him flying around to second and third, before an errant throw allowed him to continue home, trying to score. Rogan and Martin set hitters down through the innings that followed, with Chauncey Traumatola, circus catching right field and the A's to rob Private Swinton and the 25th of an opportunity to break the deadlock. Johnson shattered the expectant air and the knife with a crushing blow full out of the park and, to hear some tell it, straight on to the next island in the Hawaiian chain. Many remarked Heavy's corner was the hardest hit ball they ever seen in Honolulu. The titanic belt of Johnson may have won the game for the 25th, but the 10K no-hitter was another feather in the Caps' well-festooned cap.
2: Tell you what, being in Hawaii was absolutely incredible. We kicked everybody's behinds. Nobody cared too much about whether you were black or white or brown or whatnot, except when it came to baseball. We'd have all these series of games, whole post-league games with our team and the 4th Cavalry. There were all Hawaiian and all Chinese and all Portuguese teams. We beat all of them, too. We were mostly in Honolulu, but sometimes we'd boat around to the different islands, we'd play in those ballparks. Every one of them was just gorgeous. Sure as hell weren't none like Kansas. It was the greatest time of my life. Tell them about
1: the women, Heavy.
2: Oh, I can't. Any of the guys still out there would never forgive me for letting out the secret. (laughs) Hell, the 25th was the only team in the country that clubs wanted to get whipped by as the visiting team because it meant a free trip to Hawaii. I might have never left the 25th if they hadn't been reassigned to the Mexican border. I had already made corporal and was headed to rank up to sergeant. I could have become lieutenant in a few years more. Ah, come on, Heavy. Really? All right. Realistically... Probably not. Well, why not? You sure this guy's in a news biz, Ray? Sounds like he's never heard of separate but equal. I mean, his people made it up after all.
0: I know what to
1: tell you, Heavy.
0: Excuse me, Mr. Johnson. I do know about Plessy versus Ferguson and the separate but equal ruling. But what does that have to do with anything? Well, in the
2: case of the U.S. military, Plessy versus Ferguson means that the Negro men get our own battalions and even our own low-ranking officers, but we won't ever see too many high ranking officers of my type because there isn't any separate army. So, no separation, no equality.
0: Right, okay. I think I understand. Outstanding. Um, so, how did you come to play for Kansas City?
2: The 25th moved to Nogolas, Arizona in 1918 those years after we had some of the best players in the country we got Catback. plus we had doobie moore lemmy hawk booby fagan pearly mcnair who am i forgetting right let's see uh
1: the big guy oscar johnson
2: (laughs) right we also had heavy johnson just as in hawaii we beat everyone we played the only problem was that we were at least an hour from anywhere worth speaking of We'd go in these military buses for hours at a time. And if we played on Sunday, by 4 a.m. Monday, we were back on military time. No quarter given. On top of that, there were the crowds. Not all of them. Not all the time. But every so often, we'd face some crowd, maybe even having come straight from church, who didn't care that we wore their country's military uniform five days a week and who hated us for beating their locals at their game with a passion. Nothing will ever remind you that you're back in the U.S. in blonde, loud derision like that. Games like that, plus the ungodly constant heat got me and some of the others to thinking about changing our circumstances. It's not like too many of us had too many options, considering the slice Uncle Sam's pass. As you may know, the Negro National League was formed in 1920. So in June, Cap tells us that he's getting his discharge and he wants to join this league. As it turns out the manager of the kansas city team we would beaten three in a row in november i tip the 25th to mr wilkinson who wanted to form a club in the new league i guess cap was the most touted the to wilkinson and the earliest he could get out was june but he assured us that wilkinson knew all about us and would probably sign us all at top rate i ain't know anything about playing pro ball but the other guys told me a few things about the shall we say inconsistency of scheduling and pay. So most of us were willing to wait and see on the viability of this league before committing. Of course, it only took about another week in Arizona to convince the older guys like Doobie and Hurley to head up to Kansas City. What a team they were building. Besides the players from the 25th, they already had John Donaldson, Rube Curry, Sam Crawford, Jose Mendez. But as good as the team was, they couldn't win depending in 20 or in 21. They were still missing one crucial piece.
1: What was that? Me. <laughs> yes.
2: I joined up for the 22 season, and we've been kicking butts all over the National League, just as much as we did in Hawaii or Arizona. I will put this past year's Monarchs against any team ever. Any Negro League team? Any team. The Monarchs would destroy that swap rat Joe Jackson in his white socks, even before he got his sorry and self thrown out the game. But who do you have in the town here? Pittsburgh Pirates, Honus Wagner, Flying Dutchman? I'd take Doobie more over him any day. I don't know if I'd go that far. That's right, you don't know. You ain't seen Doobie play. Who else you got, Giants, Yankees? All I know about those clubs is that they keep our teams out of playing the best places in New York.
0: Well, the Washington Senators just won the World Series. The Major League World Series, I mean. The Senators. Now,
2: there's a great name for a white man's baseball team. Hey, Ray, they still had that one guy, Walter Johnson?
1: Yep, he won 23 games in 38 starts and was winning the pitcher in-game seven of the World Series. Damn,
2: really? Isn't that guy about 120 years old? <laughs> Who's he pitching to? King Kelly? Who is he playing against? The Cincinnati Red Legs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hell heavy. They probably even got old Mo Walker in the league.
2: <laughs> nah, they wouldn't even let him play dead. Still, the wrong color to play the major league ball. Isn't that right, white man? Mr. Johnson, I don't want to be impolite, but...
3: Anything the matter, oh, gentlemen?
2: Not that the food's here. Ha <laughs> ha. I'd come straight here after double headed with Detroit for this.
3: Tuck in, boys forced to do that. You'd have to quit all that gum flapping for a while. More drinks?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Ray? Yeah. Do you think she'll bring me anything?
1: Are you gonna raise the question with me? Uh,
0: excuse me, Miss uh, Miss Delilah. What? I was just wondering. I mean. I see that Ray and Heavy, I mean Mr. Johnson, well, they're eating now, and...
3: No, I can't be serving your type here. Maybe you can come around back when the kitchen closes, and I can arrange a sandwich for you. Until then, you gotta wait.
1: It's her business. She got a right to be righteous.
0: I suppose. If I'd have known, I might have eaten before I got here. Ah, well. Mr. Johnson, I wanted to ask you this.
2: I know. Don't talk while eating with the board. All
4: right. Uh, by the way, Doctor, is mystery your sole pleasure? Young man, what could be more pleasant than mystery? Well, music, for instance. That Music, a... why, of course. Have you ever heard my clanking of chains? Uh, Doctor, I'm afraid you've got me wrong. I mean the kind of music men hum or whistle when they feel on top of the world. And gentlemen, one of the many things that give you that tip-top feeling is the pleasure of being well-dressed. Perfect taste is a criterion. And in hats, there's nothing smarter than an atom. From stem to stern, your atom hat gives off that look of quality. You see quality in the carefully molded shape. And in the richness of the genuine all-fur felt. And in the subtle color shade. Next time you pass an Adam hat store or authorized dealer, stop in and try on an Adam. Once you see and wear an Adam hat, you'll agree that today, as before, Adam is one of America's outstanding hat values.
1: Uh, that's the stuff. Pitch <sighs> perfect as always.
3: You boys made short work of that. Let me fetch you all around. What about him?
1: Sure, you can take care of him too. Much obliged.
2: So so you were perturbed by something?
1: What? Oh, never
0: mind that. Uh-huh. Thank you, gorgeous.
3: You're not getting fresh with me now.
2: Oh man. But you are as nice
3: as you are entrepreneurial. Entrepren what? You'd better step up the flattery, big boy, or your drinks will be cut off. Apologies, no
2: disrespect intended, my queen.
3: Now that's more like it.
0: Mr. Johnson, look, if it were up to me and most of the sports writers I know, all of baseball would be integrated. We just want to see the best team out there playing against the best possible opposition.
2: You mean fellows such as yourself?
0: Well, maybe, not necessarily. I mean, we need Ray's newspaper, too, and the other Negro newspapers. In fact, I think if, when, we eventually get integrated baseball, it will be because of the sports writers, in part, at least. Tell
2: me again why I'm doing this interview,
1: Ray. He did me a favor, Heavy. He arranged a meetup with Hannes Wagner. Pirates guy? Yeah.
2: You were kind enough to enlist me to help you repay the favor to this world-changing sports writer from some paper I ain't never heard of.
1: Uh, he's all right. Just a little ignorant, but that's why he's here, to get educated. Right, Orville Mulligan, sports writer? Um,
3: Yes. Oh, no. What do you
1: think, Dele? Should I continue with this?
3: Don't ask me. I don't see any reason for this entire soiree you got going on with that cracker boy.
2: All right, all right. But I'm trusting you here, Ray. Go
0: on, Orville Mulligan. Right. Um. In the 1923 season, you hit 406 with 20 home runs. I hit a few more than that, but go on. And 120 RBI. Your Kansas City Monarchs won the pennant by dint of best record.
2: Not bad for a Negro League player. Is that what you're about to say?
0: Um. No, I uh. Some sports writers are now calling you the black babe Ruth. Some sports writer. Huh? Who's calling me the black babe Ruth?
2: You the one writing me up like that? No, sir.
1: I sooner call him the white heavy Johnson. <laughs> Ain't that the truth?
4: Babe
2: Ruth. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> See here, Orville. From our perspective, it's hard to take certain newspapers seriously. Two years ago, I saw where some paper was calling Oscar Charleston the Black Babe Ruth. And he plays nothing like Ruth. If those two had a race around the bases. Oscar probably scored twice before Ruth got the second. You guys want to compare Babe Ruth to someone? Try John Donaldson, power pitcher, throws faster than anyone I've ever played against. But the Monarch's got so many pitches as good as Johnny that he's got to play center field most days, and he's better at field than in Ruth too. Plus, he hits 300. It's almost like you white newspaper writers only know one ballplay or something.
0: This past summer, you played in the Colored World Series for the Monarchs against the Eastern Colored League champion, Hildale Giants. Yeah, I remember. It wasn't that long ago. Well, what can you tell me about that? Inning for inning.
1: It's the finest ten games I've ever played October. I just about 5,500 field, the cigar box of Bakerfield for game one of the 1924 World Series, putting the Kansas City Monarchs in the Hilldale Dale Derby Daisies of the environs of Philadelphia.
2: Oh, hold your horsepower there, Ray. We can get to the series later. I want my interviewers to tell us why we're here. Why don't you ask me the only question you want to ask? The only question you should be asking. Orville Mulligan sports writer.
0: Well, I was going to ask about how you think you and your peers would perform in the major leagues, but I think you've answered that sufficiently.
2: Nah, that ain't the right question either. Absolutely irrelevant. It doesn't matter if I tell you that Newt Joseph or me would take your Walter Johnson or your Dolph Luque to the yard more often than either of us would. And I can tell you that Bully Rogan could probably still smoke it past your Honest Wagner and your Ty Connor. I could even go the other way, even though I wouldn't, and tell you that your best teams would give us a game. Maybe even stand a good chance of beating us. But it doesn't matter, as long as the people running your baseball keep their jobs. Hell, just a couple of years ago, your commissioner wanted to ban the great Babe Ruth himself for thinking about playing barnstorming ball against Oscar Charleston's team. And then, to make it worse, the fat man goes back. Hat in hand, tail between legs, teary-eyed, promising to be a good boy and not play with those scary Negro teams. I guess that's why they call him Baby, huh? He's got the fortitude one? I don't think it was that simple. Uh, It was probably simpler than that. I think your Anfield Landis is probably afraid to hear tales of the butt drum and our boys would give you best teams. Do you think you should be playing in the major leagues? Should be playing? What the hell does that mean? I mean, would you want to? Ah, ah, ah. Now, there's the question I've been waiting for. Why would I want to? Because they're the major leagues. You hear that, Ray? This cracker says I should want to play in the major leagues. Mr. Johnson. Now, that perked up the rabbit is. You having a problem? It's just. Do you have to use that term? Term? You mean like those ants that he would? I'm sure his place
1: don't have terms. Nah, nah. He means term like the squiggly thing in the dirt. You know, earth terms? The early word gets the term.
2: <laughs>
1: Seriously, I'm not like that, I promise.
0: <laughs> You're not like what? You know. Assume I don't. Like a
2: cracker. Oh, so that word means something to you then. Outstanding. Because as far as I could tell, most words don't seem to matter a thing to white folks. Like this major leagues you keep talking about. It's only called that to ensure this perception of superiority. When I was with the 25th, I played against some Pacific Coast leagues that make short work of your senators and Yankees on a steady basis. But they're not considered major league because the correct rich white people say they ain't. You asked before about integrated baseball. I played against plenty of integrated teams already. What about the All Nations? When CAP played with them in 1918, they were probably the best team in the country, but they weren't Major League. It is mighty peculiar that for some of y'all, the Civil War ended last week, but Major League Baseball has existed forever. Also, most of y'all, you include, seem to think that the Negro League and the Eastern League and the Pacific Coast League are all aspiring to feeder status for 16 clubs playing for all-white crowds. Coming here, accepting blindly the tenants of separate but equal, and at the same time, believing that we all wish for is to play in your white league. See, I've done trips around this country, through the South, both coasts, the Midwest, and I see y'all's newspapers write-ups. Newspaper reporters giving Doobie and Cap and Oscar nicknames like Jigaboo and Piccadilly. Damned if I didn't see one paper claim that Johnny D was known as n- to his friends. Now, what self respecting individual would accept being called a n- to oh, his no, face right no, no,
3: no, no. You'd better shut your big trap right now, Oscar Johnson. I don't want to hear that sort of O'Flair clan talk in my place of business no more
1: ah he was just trying to make a point you
3: think i care skinny boy far as i'm concerned the only point he's gonna understand is at the end of the rifle i don't want to hear another word like that from any of you clowns or i'll kick your loud mouths out of here myself now drink up and settle down and no these ain't on the house neither
2: Thing white people fail to understand about most of our enterprises is that we're not using you as a measuring stick you want to know about the Negro National League? The NNL exists because Rube Foster believes that the best model for the country's biggest clubs is to make a professional league with a specified number of teams in a set schedule. Now, Mr. Cumberland Posey, from whom I came to Pittsburgh today, that and daily stakes. Posey believes more in the traditional style of baseball, barnstorming, thinks the best way to win ball games and make money is to assemble the best players operate independently and take all comers. Eastern League, Southern League, National League, local teams at home, or away. I'm now considering his offer to join the Homestead Grays.
1: No joking, Debbie? You're going to play in Pittsburgh?
2: No news yet, Scoop. I'm still mulling it over keep this down low. But the point, Mr. Mulligan, is that both Mr. Foster and Mr. Posey are interested in what will make their baseball and their enterprises successful. They're interested in winning baseball games and winning titles and winning fans to the ballparks. Don't give a damn about no Zach Weed or Roger Hornsby. And giving a damn will be pointless because they ain't never going to play against those guys. See, unless you're willingly ignorant, it's clear the separate but equal ain't worth a ten-cup of warm spit. We know we're not getting the equal, but we've got to embrace the separate. We're not competing against the New York Giants or the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're just competing. So we don't need, we don't want your acceptance, your validation, even your acknowledgement. You know how good our ball is. Those that play against us know too. To be honest with you, I hope your major league never integrates because that's when y'all think y'all could beat us. You won't let us in until then.
1: Well, that part's never happened. You are dead correct there, Brady.
0: Are you understanding any of this? I think so but it does bear greater thought. That it does. Mr. Johnson, I'd like to say thank you. Thank you? For what? For giving me this interview. I know you didn't have to, even as a favor to Ray. And I figure you probably didn't want to given the level of respect you've generally been shown by white people. Honestly, this has been quite an education. Uh huh. Just one more question. Is it wrong for me to still consider Babe Ruth the best ever? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> <Or real>. <laughs> Wow!
1: <laughs> D- damn Ray
2: You didn't tell me white boy had a pair The size of shot boots.
1: <laughs> More like cannonballs I confess
0: it's true Most of the time I have trouble walking
5: <laughs> 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 oh, shit.
2: You're alright for a sports writer Hey now I mean a white sports
0: writer Uh thanks Mr. Johnson Uh, heavy's fine
1: So heavy Why don't you give the man his money's worth Tell him about the series
0: I would really appreciate that Ah, right, but what's in it for me? I can trade you for the story of Senators Giants this past October, the finest series ever played.
2: All right, you're only saying that because you didn't see us.
1: October 3rd. Just about 5,500 filled the cigar box at Bakerfield for Game 1 of the 1924 World Series. Pitting the Kansas City Monarchs. In April
0: 1865 not quite 60 years ago. The American Civil War ended with the surrender of General Robert E. Lee at Appomattox. Six years and one month later, the Cincinnati Red Stockings, the first modern professional baseball club, began their incredible 57-0 debut season. In 1876, the centennial anniversary year of our nation itself, the newly established National League played its first season with eight ball clubs, the Chicago White Stockings took the title that year after running up a healthy 52-14 and 14 record. About one month after Chicago closed their season with a win over Hartford, the election of 1876 was held. As the electoral count stood with New York Governor Samuel Tilden ahead of incumbent President Rutherford B. Hayes, Oregon's three votes were in dispute. In a backroom deal, Democratic Party leaders traded Oregon's electoral votes and a Tilden presidency for an agreement to end reconstruction in the former Confederate states. In 1883, Moses Fleetwood Walker, a man of mixed race, joined the semi-pro Toledo Blue Stockings of the Northwestern League. One team submitted a proposal to the league that all colored ballplayers be explicitly banned from play. In August of that year, Cap Anson famously threatened to pull his Chicago White Stockings from an exhibition series with Toledo, but for forfeiture of the gate receipts. After the game, Anson ensured that the color line in the National League would not be crossed as long as he was in the game. In December of that year in Cincinnati, William Berner, a German immigrant, and Joe Palmer, a mixed race man, murdered their employer. Both were convicted. Palmer was found guilty and hanged. William Berner was also convicted of manslaughter and was given a prison sentence. The injustice of the verdict triggered the Cincinnati riots of 1884, in which at least 50 were killed. I told Heavy that our conversation had been quite an education, but later on, attempting to tangibly define exactly what I'd found so edifying proved elusive. Thinking back, I recognized that I'd never considered how deeply interwoven is our national pastime with our nation's history and current day matters. Since then, I've thought about the tremendous disservice done to everyone when anyone is unfree, or any two are divided, or any nine are denied a ball field. Sports writers may like to pat ourselves on the back for extolling the virtues and employing the very best players regardless of color, creed, or religion. This sports writer is not too proud to admit that these efforts may ultimately amount to a drop in a sea of troubles. But rewards will be reaped, one must believe, in time. On a personal note, this writer enthusiastically awaits the opportunity to see our other home Major League team, the Homestead Grays, in
1: 1925. Oh, and Miss Delis. Y'all are leaving? Sorry to say, Deli, but yeah. Editor may want me in unreasonably early tomorrow, like 11 a.m.
0: Hey, that is unreasonable.
3: And how's about you, big boy?
2: I think I'll hang out a little bit more.
3: Oh, will you now? Says who exactly?
2: Uh, says you.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: thank you, Mr. Johnson. Heavy. Very illuminating. And Miss Deli, thank you for the hospitality. I couldn't have done it without you.
3: Well, I don't know if all that gun flapping is doing something, but I do know this. You best not be going out the front with him, Raymond. Out the back, come on.
1: Catch up with you tomorrow, Heavy.
2: Aloha.
3: (laughs) Now you can get Snowman here into a taxi.
1: Jeez, Deli. It's not like he's drunk.
3: All right. Wait, hold on. Two flip. What's this? Well... You ain't exactly a right type for my place, but you behaved yourself and were respectful so I didn't feel right about denying you the best food in the city. Just don't be too free about who you share the particulars with
0: It was the best sandwich I ever had) um.
5: This has been Orville Mulligan Sports Writer, an audio drama podcast from Number 80 Productions and the Sports History Network. Episodes script and story by Oz Davis and Darren Hayes. Orville Mulligan Sports Writer stars Doug Fye, Ilana Fye, and Eric Bodwell. This episode co-stars Molly Williams and Chris Suji, and features Lyric Johnson as Heavy Johnson and Gerald Waters Jr. as Ray Easter. Direction by Casey Summers. The theme song of Orville Mulligan Sportswriter is the Dayton Triangles Rag and was arranged and performed by Bruce Smith. Additional original music provided by Silverman Sound Studios and David Lizzo of Dynamo Stairs. Please see this episode's liner notes for the full soundtrack listing. Orville Mulligan Sportswriter is produced by Oz Davis and Darren Hayes. Series concept by Darren Hayes. Keep your dial locked to this podcast station for the next exciting episode of Orville Mulligan Sports Writer coming soon.